Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Doom Guy to my Master Chief. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Guy doesn't say anything. Doom Guy doesn't even have a name, really. And our very just dumping shotgun shells. Our very own Duke Nukem. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric. I'm quite annoying, but do I have some annoying catchphrase? I'm, I'm not out of bubblegum. Just steal everyone else's yeah, catchphrases. That's yeah, what I'm you about do. to say your catchphrase yes. is everyone else's And catchphrase. my new game is coming in the summer of 2009. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was coming. Duke Nukem Forever joke. Yeah, was, I was like right. it. So, Duke um, Nukem like Forever. I'm on tonight, I'll tell you. All right. So from Russell Wilson's post coitus bed to our hearts, the new contract came. Okay, Eric, Tyler, you, you show me Tyler, Tyler Lockett video today. If you have not caught yes. this, Tyler uh, Lockett, Lockett, and DJ Fluker reenacting <laughs> the from the bed scene of Russell Wilson and Ciara. Uh, hey, we got a deal. <laughs> the, the way Seattle, that the way that Fluker comes out from under the blanket too, just <laughs> you know, it's, it's Go Hawks. Well, and it's clearly like a sh- like he, it's all it's almost like behind a shower curtain because he's huge. Yes. And so- <laughs> and he's standing next to Tyler Lockett. He's like six inches taller than Tyler Lockett. So he's like holding it up. I thought it was a fake wall. If you want to see that, just go on Russell Wilson's Instagram. I like Tyler Lockett too because he wore like 11 gold chains like Russ's. Is. Apparently, <laughs> apparently Russ wears like a bunch of gold chains to bed. Um, okay. That's when you got fuck you money. Let's talk the deal. Um, it's a four-year extension. So you can include in, and you can include this year in kind of any mental calculations you do. Uh, Thirty-one point seven five million dollars a year if you include this year. Uh, Thirty-five if you don't. Um, but they will front load some of that, as much of that signing bonus as they can um, onto you know earlier parts, earlier parts of every. Payment. How does that work? Because you do that to affect the cap in a so positive way. But you how can do you kinda, get away you with can that? move sl- signing bonus around the annual salary. You have to you have to put in at certain points. And I don't know the exact structure of this, but this contract, but it does have a lot of guarantees, 108 million. So I'm going to guess they, they either front load it or back load it. I don't know. They could back load it if they expect a rising cap, which they probably do. Um, they could front load it. The details won't be out for a while. Um, Spotrack probably has an estimate. I did not look yet, but I can right now. The Seahawks are carrying um, some of the bigger cap space in the league for the next few years. So it wouldn't be super surprising if they front loaded it. Yeah. Um, just to get that number down, like uh, for comparison's sake, he was making uh, twenty two on average, I believe, for the current contract. But he only made he's making like a little over seventeen this year. Yeah, the extension is four thirty five. I, I nailed that with one hundred and eight, hundred and seven. I said one hundred and six, one hundred and seven in guarantees. Um, sixty five million dollars signing bonus. That's the part they can move around. The other stuff's going to be roster bonuses, stuff like that. This contract does make him borderline unmovable. <laughs> Which not that we would want to trade Russell Wilson anyway. But we don't want to move him anyway. This is going to this pretty much solidifies the next five years of your life. Russell Wilson is your quarterback. So Eric, He's emotionally, how do you feel? Um, I'm happy it's done. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Last night, I mean, I I read that you were staying up, Nathan. I stayed up till twelve. <laughs> yeah, I put it in the group chat. I said, "Hey, I'm. I don't know if you about you guys, but I've been staying up late trying to see refresh to see if this Russell Wilson contract gets done." See, everyone was saying that it was funny how he released a video, but he really didn't need to tell all you guys to go to bed. Yeah, I had already gone to bed. It was <laughs> it was like twelve oh five, and I'm like, I'm I can't old. He's past my bedtime. Yeah, I, I fell asleep at like. I fell asleep with my phone in my hand, and I thought, okay, that's I can't do this. And I put my phone down, <laughs> and, and brushed my teeth and stuff, and went to bed. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked he got it done. I mean, I was a little worried only because of the talking heads, because of the deadline put in. And can we talk about that for a second? These agents and teams are leaking to their guys. And they say, hey, do me a solid. Can you say this? 
and it's all about public perception. We want public perception to be this way for us, or we want perception, but we want you to do this just to push it a little bit in our favor. It's a negotiating tactic. They're arguing over, you know, five, ten million dollars, and they want to win that part. And I don't think you can see this contract as anything but a win for the Seahawks. This contract was going to reset the quarterback market, a hundred percent. Whatever extension Russell Wilson signed, whether it was with Seattle or New York, it was going to reset the quarterback market, and he did not reset it by much. He barely reset it. It's a little bit over what a five-year-older Aaron Rodgers signed. So, so yeah. get, getting getting this contract for this, I think, two years from now when Mahomes resigns or when Jared Goff resigns, you're going to be like, oh, this Russell Wilson contract's not that bad because those contracts are going to be gross. It was the, like when Matt Stafford did his resigning or uh, or Derek Carr, and you're like, oh man, that Russell Wilson contract when, looks good. When Dak yeah. Pron- when Dak Prescott gets thirty million dollars from the Cowboys, everyone's going to be like, oh. That's why we gave him thirty five. Go back on this podcast four years ago when we we said you're going to look back at this contract and say, "Wow, we got Russell Wilson for a killer deal." The, and the he's four, the twelfth highest paid quarterback this year. The four year eighty seven point six million dollar extension that Russell signed four years ago. We talked about it on this podcast, Eric's right. We all said in four years this quarter this this will be bargain salary. This will be good. The cap will keep going up. This will be a deal. This one's going to be the same way. He's going to cost us. You know, twelve by the end of the deal, it'll be twelve, maybe thirteen percent of the cap, um, which is like right in line with where you want to be to be a really competitive team with a non-rookie quarterback. Because um, I mean, look, the teams that made the playoffs last year—if you take so people are like, you can't win the Super Bowl with a quarterback that's sensitive. But goddamn, you definitely can make the playoffs with a quarterback that's sensitive because almost every single playoff team either has a rookie quarterback or an expensive quarterback. None of these journeyman, mediocre quarterbacks are rolling up here with thirteen and three records and, and making it to the playoffs. And this, like, if you look at a team like the Saints, the Saints had as good a shot at the Super Bowl as anybody. Yeah, and, then, and they're paying Drew Brees if, a lot. If of money. referees knew how to make calls, the Saints would have probably won the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. straight up, there's there was just there one they bad, were a bad call. call away, and everyone's like, "Well, maybe Drew Brees shouldn't have thrown the the interception." Okay, cool, man. Russ was the number six paid quarterback this year, by the way. Um, twenty five point two two eight six in twenty nineteen cap hit um, puts him a shade above Eli Manning, and right with, ahead and below <laughs> Rogers, Brady, Luck, Cousins, and Stafford. Well, the, there's two people he definitely shouldn't be behind. So, so, so I'm glad he passed those fools up. I mean, a lot of people talked a lot about this week about how they wanted a rolling percentage of the cap and how that's that's actually not crazy uncommon. Um, Matt like Ryan and or Matt like Ryan that? and Cam Newton both have contracts like that. Um, tw- they both make twelve and a half percent of the cap, so it's it's almost the same contract. I think Cam's is a little better, but it's not it's not significant uh, difference between the two, and then. Because of that, okay, the only thing that – if they, he would have said, I'll take that 12.5% contract, I think they, they signed the dotted line without breaking a sweat. I think he probably said, let's do a rolling guarantees deal with 15%, and they were like, eh, maybe we don't do that. Can we yeah. just give you the highest paid, highest guarantees ever? That way you can really, like, hang your hat on that. And, and then Don King, or whatever that guy's name is, you know, is just <laughs> feeding the information that's given to him. So you get a lot of these talking heads that are throwing around rumors. I don't think there was ever really a legitimate chance that Russell Wilson was going to be traded because this is that kind of perfect storm scenario where Russell Wilson is not worth as much to any other team as he's worth to us. And no other team is going to give up what we would need in order to compensate us for losing Russell Wilson. Like, we would need, what, probably 
three first round picks plus almost an entire like we would need better than the Ricky Williams trade to make this happen. And, and Patrick, Mahomes no one's going to give that up. Patrick Mahomes is extension eligible next year's guys. So just, just wait. I'm just saying like, if you think the quarterback salary is too much, just wait till you see what some of these other guys are going to get. It's going to be, it's going to be nutty. What this does is it reduces our margin of error everywhere else. Mm-hmm. We have to draft good. Now we can't miss a first round pick or, or trade one for Jimmy Graham. Yes. Or trade one for <laughs> Jimmy Graham and get nothing out of him. Or would see Harvin. It would have been fine if Jimmy Graham would have been Jimmy Graham, but he became James Graham. And uh, James Graham was a little less satisfying than the old Jimster. Once every three games, he was really good. Um, all right, so Jim Seah- Bob Graham. Other Seahawks news: the rumor mill swirls <clears throat> around Frank Clark. Frank Clark is uh, constantly in these trade rumors. Um, it is going to be difficult for the Seahawks to keep Frank and Bobby and Russ. That's a that's a big ask. That basically leaves leaves you the thin bait everywhere else. Frank seems like the guy who is most likely to. Um, to lose his lose the spot lose out to be to be the one that has to leave when you have two hall of fame players to sign a hall of very good guy might be on the outside looking in and another thing i i think that we i talked about last week that i think is really important here is you can manufacture pass rush a little bit that you can turn a mediocre pass rusher into an eight sack guy with scheme right you can't really do that with some of the other positions in the NFL, right? Like you can't manufacture coverage, especially uh, outside coverage and linebacker coverage. So, Eric, I'm going to ask you: as the, are you on Team Bobby as well, or are you are you Frank over Frank over Bobby? I'm Team Bobby. We talked about on this podcast about manufacturing pass rush, and uh, this kind of feels bad to say. Remember when we drafted Frank Clark? Frank Clark was not a. Uh, I don't know. He, was, he, he had the Tyree Kill rep. Yeah, he was sure. not an upstanding uh, young man. And, it, and I kind of worry about that coming back to bite us. And maybe just because of like what's going on with Tyree Kill. Um, I would be okay with trading you, Flake Clark. Are you saying Frank a Clark. tiger can't change his stripes, Eric? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You, know me, you know me. Uh, outside this podcast, I've said we're... Uh, I am old school, but we also... I believe we are who we are, who we were in grade school. I mean, that kid who threw rocks at you and hid behind the teacher... He's doing that just on a professional level now. Um, I feel like, and we could discuss what that package should look like, but I'd be down with trading Frank Clark for a nice draft package. Not a killer one, a nice one. Yeah, I'd be down with like a second and a third, Thank to you. be honest. Yeah, I would take a, a, a late first. I would take a second and a third. I would take... I'd take like a good second and a fourth. Yep. Like if it was like... Um, like a high fourth. If the Raiders traded the, uh, was it the third pick of round two? If they traded pick thirty five, and we got their fourth pick, their fourth round pick. Yeah, done. Guess what? It's really hard to find pass rush. Said John Gruden after he traded right. <laughs> his only pass rusher away. Do it. Uh, I would deal him to Kansas City for the twenty nine <laughs> by itself. Yeah, really, just by itself. Yeah, but I'd take the twenty ninth overall pick for uh, Frank Clark. Colts Colts seem like a team that would want Frank Clark and could put together a, a palatable package for us. They have a lot of extra draft picks. Raiders, same thing. Um, Kansas City, same thing. I think Kansas City feels like they've. I don't know. Kansas, Kansas City, City is a uh, Kansas City's a three four that needs someone to package with Chris uh, with Chris Jones. Uh, Clark is the kind of guy who can be an end in a three four system. I also feel He's like got the size. Kansas City is in a situation where they have a very small wick. That can ignite at any time with all their 
off the field issues, and I think they may kind of shy away from that. I think Andy Reid wants a title, and I don't think he knows how much longer he's going to be coaching. Yeah, I can dig it. Okay, so um, these are all potential destinations for Clark. I'll be honest; I'll be fine if he comes back and plays on the tag. I think yep. that I think that's great value for the team. And he also wouldn't lose value if he out if he goes out and plays productive on the tag. We could tag him again and then trade him, and yeah. we would get as much or more because he'd have two years of high productivity back to back. Yeah, so I'm I'm completely fine with with uh, Frank Clark kind of in his current situation in his like limbo. Take the guaranteed what is it, nineteen million? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Take the guaranteed nineteen, play on the tag, uh, and then well, you know, we'll back the Brinks truck up to Bobby next year, and uh, probably have to say goodbye <laughs> to our friend uh, Frank, Clark, Frank Clark, which will be easier once we've had you know if we we'll probably pick up a pass rusher in this draft that'd be pretty much guaranteed. At that point, we'd be re-signing Jaron Reed, who's going to be cheaper to re-sign than Frank Clark. And we'd have uh, guys like Rasheem Green and Naz Jones would have a year to figure out if they're going to be something or not, which gives us a chance to figure out what our pass rush really is with and without. Yeah. Okay, so the um, the NFL news. Eric, I have basically nothing. The biggest story in the NFL was the Russell Wilson story this week. As his contract uh, kind of bounced around, people had very strong opinions on what 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 was going on with that. Yeah, Teron um, Matthew, shut the hell up. The best, the, the, a bunch of fake NFL draft news. Uh, Jack El Rio said on Antonio Brown, "I love the talent, but Antonio Brown has clearly showed he's going to be a pain in the ass," which I thought was <laughs> really funny. Spoken um, like a true Jack Del Rio. Yeah. So, all right, Eric, you said you had a great NFL story this week, though. I just know, I know our audience, and I know this room. Dolphins Ryan's fit <laughs> Dolphins Ryan Fitzpatrick blames offseason weight gain on eating birthday cake. <laughs> quote quote the thing with me is I have seven kids. <laughs> In January we have three birthdays. So we've got the family birthday party which includes cake. We've got the friends birthday party which includes cake. So that's six times in January. We've got three birthdays in March. First, sixth, and eleventh. Which, again, that's a tough stretch. So that's six in 10 or 11 days. I love you, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I Ryan love you so much. Ryan Fitzpatrick needs to ask Phil Rivers how, with his 37 <laughs> kids, he doesn't lose, he doesn't gain quite as much weight. It's the bolo tie. I'm so... No wonder, uh, no wonder Rivers has been more successful over his career. Uh, ending, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't Fitzpatrick go to Harvard? He should be able to figure this one out. Ending this, quote, now that the birthdays are behind me, I think I'm going to try and go from peak off-season form to peak in-season form. Go did get he, it, Dolphins. Did he, just, did he just really make like a playing myself into shape thing in a, in a sport that has a 16-game season? Yes. Oh, gosh. And uh, this oh, is not this is from lovely. The Onion. This is actually a real story. So enjoy, John. <laughs> Thought you'd like it. I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. I, that's why I saw it and I was like, guys, guys, we got to do this. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, the NFL tested him. He tested positive for cake. <laughs> positive the, for cake. The uh, my favorite, oh my uh, similar vein NFL story, like funny, funny t- quote tweets was this. But Adam Rank tweeted: Before the Seahawks get all confident they can move on from Russell Wilson, they should take some time to remember they also thought Matt Flynn was a franchise quarterback. And Matt Flynn went, "Damn!" He replied, "Damn, dude, chill." <laughs> I like Adam Rank too. That's that's pretty crazy. I like Matt Flynn. Uh, I like Matt Flynn, too, and I think he just really got a real opportunity to be a starter. And he maybe was kind of good. I think he was fine. He could have been He could have been all right. He could have been one of these mediocre guys on a 10-6 uh, a team going to the playoffs. Yeah. He could have been somebody's uh, not-quite matchup. 
Right. Um, <laughs> so our <laughs> wait, there was uh, <laughs> the other one was. Did you see the person who put together the highlight package for Paxton Lynch? Yeah. It was uh, him throwing interceptions and overthrowing receivers over and over Ouch. again. It was like something Seahawks fans can look forward to. I like that it's, it started out with like good passes too. So it was like a trick. <laughs> it was like a minute of like like him looking kind of good in preseason games and then just like a, two minutes of him just doing terrible. Uh, it was like a bait and switch. All right. So we did um, what I did for this week. Um, I thought we got draft coming up. We still got draft coverage. So what I'm going to do? You got two weeks until the draft. JRB will answer your questions I, next week. Oh no, I I think we can answer them today if we have time. We'll see. Okay, we're gonna right. we're gonna we're gonna put them on the back burner though because this is gonna take a while. Yep. I compiled um, ten NFL mock drafts, six with no trades and four with trades. So okay. six that are no fun and four that are fun. Six that six by people who are just like not willing to really put themselves out there and make some fake NFL trades. Mel Kiper not putting in the work. All right, so we're gonna start off. Um, first of all, I want to thank. I'm gonna credit every single person who did one of these, but I just thank you guys for uh, for doing these mocks. They're all really good articles. If you want to go read their reasoning and more about them, I would highly suggest looking all of these up. Uh, they do all provide some some solid reasons. There are a couple guys that showed up on a bunch of these that now I did research on because I was like, hmm, maybe we will draft that guy. Um, and my answer to it was that was probably not. I, there's a reason I didn't <laughs> go for these guys. Okay, so let's start with with the no trades drafts. We're going to go with the six no trades drafts. So NFL spin zones, Corey Kinnon. He picked 21. He had to take Clellan Farrell. 84, Dawson Knox, tight end from Ole Miss. Michael Jackson, cornerback from Miami at 124. And Michael Jordan, a guard center from Ohio State at 159. Okay, so if that was our draft, Kevin, how would you feel coming out of it? Um, I would feel bad. You feel bad. I love Colin Farrell. I was so going to say, that. I think Michael Jordan is a good guard project. These are a couple guys um, uh, that we Mike, mentioned on this podcast. I don't, Michael, I don't like Michael Jordan at all. Michael Jordan and Michael Jackson is like this guy tried to have the all name draft, right? <laughs> uh, well, also Dawson Knox. He's just big Dawson Creek fan. Um, so I. Uh, so Cleveland Farrell, I like quite a bit. I think that he would be a good pick, and that is where I stop liking this draft. Michael um, Dawson Knox is an athletic tight end that we don't need and who can't really block. Uh, Michael Jackson is a bad fit for our scheme and doesn't make as much sense as other press man corners. He's just—I mean, he's fine, but he's—he doesn't make a lot of sense for our team. There are a bunch of cornerbacks who will be available at one twenty-four that I think would be. More Way better projects, including like Lonnie Johnson. You could just put that name in there. Yeah. Um, and then I don't like Michael Jordan. A, he's going to go higher than that. But B, um, I did not like him on tape. Yeah, at one fifty nine, I feel like that's the that's the spot where I could totally see it being justifiable. Sure. Um, I just uh, players who don't play uh, offensive linemen who don't play with good balance concern me to my core. And watching uh, Michael Jordan on tape, he looked uh, he, like he did not play with great balance. So great letter grade F. Oh, see, I was wow. I gave this one a C minus. I feel like that's more in line. Why uh, Cleveland Farrell and nobody else? I want. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I, I can't go F, but I would C minus for sure. All right, Ben Arthur, SeattlePI.com. He went. Chauncey. Pi is still around. He uh, he. He had a multiple version, like so. He updates his every couple weeks, and they're basically just different versions of similar drafts. So I used the most recent version, but I actually thought the one he did 
one version before was a lot better than this one So for the Seahawks. So he, he might be moving people around because he thinks they'll be drafted already, or he just might be moving people around because he just wants us to see like different possible looks. So I'm not 100% sure what Ben's take was here, okay? So I just want to give Ben the benefit of the doubt before I make fun of this. Okay, benefit. Chauncey, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, cornerback, Florida at 21. Hakeem Butler, wide receiver, Iowa State. Jalen Jelks, defensive end of Oregon at 124. And Michael Dieter, the guard from Wisconsin at 159. I love Hakeem Butler. I don't think there's any chance in hell he'll be available at 84. But if he is, that's a great pick. Michael Dieter is perfectly suited to be a rotation guard at 159. I like that. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, if we picked him and there was like Greedy Williams on the table, I would be super hot. Like, I would be mad. I just don't think that... Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is a great slot corner, and he's never been asked to play outside, and I don't know how well he'd do that. Yeah, and I just don't like the idea of like using your first-round pick to pick a star corner. It's just not appealing to me. In, in a bunch of different ways. You'd have to be saying that you think he can play free we, safety, which he was never asked to do. We gave up a seventh round pick to get a star corner last uh, like last, the last time. time we got a last time we got a star corner. That's what we gave up you, for Coleman. You can find these guys. I think they're undervalued in the NFL still, even though Cleveland used a first round pick for one last year. Uh, I think people also, uh, if they're not proven at it, or if... Like a guy who starts on the outside and shows good slot corner ability, they'll play off position and dismiss them because of it. Like Coleman was getting played on the outside, that's why he didn't look as good. Yeah. Um. And then, and then, uh, for Jelks. for this guy, Jelks, um, Jelks is not Jelks is a project that will do nothing in his first year of his NFL career, and I don't think the Seahawks, after giving Russell Wilson this big contract, I know they understand where their window is, and I think that's kind of not the pick we want to be making. We already have a project defensive end on the roster currently that we're working on and adding another. Actually, I would say we have two because I don't think Jacob Martin's close to a finished product either. No. So we already have a He's bunch productive, of. productive but not finished. We also have a bunch of project defensive ends already. Adding another one to the pile seems very unappealing to me personally. I would like to add someone who I at least know can like do a thing. He can set the edge and play on rundowns or he can, he can do one pass rush move on third downs like Jacob did last year, right? I want someone who does a thing. I do not want a guy who I think year one will do nothing. Now, that doesn't say... I don't think Jelks down the line could be a pretty good player, but I just year one, not ready. Um, Kevin, what do you think? Uh, I like Hakeem Butler, like you said. I don't think he'll be there, but I, Hakeem Butler's a really good fit as an outside receiver um, and a deep ball guy. Uh, Michael Dieter, like you said, good rotational guard. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I don't want to pick him that high, but if that's just a placeholder for um, insert corner here, then sure, whatever. Uh, I also think Gardner Johnson would be good as a star corner in our uh, scheme fit. And he's a guy who would rotate back into like um, box safety otherwise. So that's fine. Uh, Jelks, I don't like at all. I He's a guy who would have had to like have insane measurables to make up for his lack of size and production. And then he didn't. He's very thin. And so I just, I think he's a 3-4 outside linebacker who may or may not be productive at some point on his rookie contract, and that's not a player we want, especially not with our fourth-round pick. Um, so I would give this one a solid C, mostly because I think the Butler pick is is great. And I also like Michael Dieter. And at 159, I'd be pretty happy with Michael Dieter. Uh, I also give it a C. Those are three out of four players or players I would, would have no problem with on the roster. Um, okay, DraftWire, uh, Luke Easterling of DraftWire USA Today. He had um, Nasir. Some of these draft mocks, too, they do every pick, dude. Like, it's insane. Okay. And then Mel Kuyper they do all burns out at two picks. Yeah, he does, he does the first three rounds. I put Mel Kuyper's in here. You'll see. Yeah. Okay. Nasir Adderley, 
He's safety from Delaware. Caleb McGarry, offensive tackle from Washington. Ben Bonogu, defensive end, TCU. And Caleb Wilson, tight end from UCLA. Um, I love Adderley. The Caleb McGarry, I, I'm i worried about, but I like. It's it's a solid pick. 84. I don't know how I'd... It's tough. It's tough. I just don't know how much how much different is it. I guess Afedi's starting to become a point where it's no longer like this guy can get better. It's just he is what he is. And maybe McGarry just lets us reset the clock on that one and start a pro- start the tackle project over. With a better coach to do it with. Yeah. So that that's something I think about. Bonogu, uh, I feel a lot about the same about him about do about Jelks. Um, but I like him a little better just as a prospect. And Caleb Wilson is, is dec- mad decent at 159. So I'm, I'm okay with this draft. I, I think this one's a little better than the last one. Kevin, do you agree? Uh, I think it's a lot better than the last one. Oh, okay. Uh, I think Nazir Adderley is a ideal fit as a free safety. He's, in my opinion, the best free safety in this draft, and I would take him at 21. Uh, Kayla McGarry, I think, is could step in and be a starting right tackle day one. Uh, he'll get he's someone you want to see get better, but I think he could start day one in the NFL. Um, his uh, physical ability is good. Physical and he's a solid are, blocker. Physical tools he are really good. He just needs some help with balance and things like that. Yeah, but his the, field the, awareness the, is good. The thing that you hate so much, though, that's the thing. He's like the. It's like balance and and movement are like. The thing is, is movement's good, but when he gets in space, he sometimes puts his feet too close together. Yeah, his feet, and he has his trouble footwork, with power. Like his footwork is like. And I feel like you can work janky. on that. Especially on the outside is easier than on the inside. I, I, like a Riso Diambo situation always worries me. And then Ben Bonogu, I think, is about 10 times better than Jalen Jelks. Um, I, he's, his athleticism is way more projectable. Um, he tested really well in a lot of areas. When you watch him on tape, he pops off the tape as a guy who can uh, come around the edge with a speed rusher. I think he's a little bit bigger. And he's not as narrow. He's a guy who could play defensive end, hand on the ground in passing situations. Mm-hmm. Um, for that reason, I think he's a better scheme fit and has higher upside. Like, he's just a directly better player. Uh, Caleb Wilson, I could not be less excited about. I mean, it's a... it's a, But it's also pick 159, whatever. Yeah, it's it's like... I, I, for me, it's like, this guy could be a, a rotation tight end, and at 159, I can't really ask for more than that. Uh, but if somebody literally put... Like, if they just put the three picks and didn't put any pick for 159, I'd actually like this better. Yeah, I gave it I gave it a B-. Uh, I'm, I'm, guess, I'm, I'm guessing you're going higher. I a solid B. Yeah, I, guess you're, I was going to say, I'm guessing you're going a little higher. All right, um, Mel Kiper Jr., he had us pick... Pick Chris Lindstrom in round one. Hakeem Butler. We've already talked about Hakeem Butler quite a bit here because he's on a lot of these, and you'll see he pops up a few more times. Uh, but Chris Lindstrom. I like Chris Lindstrom. He's really good. He's the best guard in this draft. Um, he's not like Quinn Nelson. He's good. <laughs> but he's a very solid football player. But out of principle, I have to give Mel Kuyper Jr.'s draft an F uh, because it's Mel Kuyper Jr.'s draft, and fuck him. Okay. You know, you know he's going to be wrong. Kevin? <clears throat> I, first of all... Hakeem Butler too short to play in the NFL. That's why he's dropping to the third round. Why? That, yeah, the, the comment that Mel Kiper put on this thing is like so stupid. Uh, in all seriousness, Hakeem Butler's like six five, uh, and he's. I just don't see why they think he's going to be there in the third round. If um, he is, that's a great. Eight, that is. I'll take that. Sign me up every time. Sign me up. Uh, Chris Lindstrom. I'm going to go a step further. Chris Lindstrom's my favorite offensive lineman in this draft. He is a Steve Hutchison. Ink him, put him at right or left guard, 
just put him in that spot for the next 12 years and not worry about mm-hmm. a guy. He's really good. Like he does he, like he's he's a perfect interior line prospect. Like Quentin Nelson's like Hall of Fame. This guy's like a step below that. He will show up in other drafts on this sheet that we have, but also uh Sports Illustrated's current mock has us taking Lindstrom as does uh I mean, we You're have, gonna love me for this. The thing this. I hate is we have two starting quality guards, so it's like I know they're injury prone, and Lindstrom's probably better than than both of them. But like, it does feel like like we could use the upgrade in another spot with our right, very first but, pick. But I mean, sometimes you just take best player available, and he is really good. He's really good. Yard Barker also has it on their draft. What is a yard barker? It is a sports site for men or something. Just go with it. So it is an aftershave. It Got was it. it was on the MSN clickbait that my <laughs> that some some site took me to at work today. Sorry, as like, Nathan said, we credit all these people. Thank you, Yard Barker. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so Mel Kuyper, Kevin, you're great for him. Uh, I mean, I guess. Give him an F, dude. He deserves it. He gave the Seahawks draft an F when we drafted Russell Wilson. You know what? F. I give him an incomplete because his lazy butt didn't do a complete right, draft. Fine, whatever. I like uh, INC. Yeah, F. Okay, Pro Football Network, James Aguirre, uh, Chris Lindstrom, guard, Boston College, Kalen Saunders, defensive tackle at 84, Joe Jackson, defensive end at 124, Wyatt Ray, defensive end, Boston College, 159. We talked about Lindstrom. Kalen Saunders this is the guy who I researched after this because I did not research him prior to looking at this. Ooh, Kalen Saunders. I like him. Um, Really decent at 84. That's a huge reach. Um, I don't think... He's going to go that high. I don't get it. Um, I don't see that. Uh, I think like at, if we took him at 124, I'd be super down. Joe Jackson, I'm not crazy about white ray i kind of like um as i like him at 159 one thing i like about picking joe jackson and white ray even though i'm not crazy about joe jackson is like throwing two picks at one position and saying i hope one of these guys works out is a actually pretty proven strategy teams have done this before and it usually works out so i like the idea of like let's throw two picks at defensive end and one at d tackle and then hope two of these guys stick that's a that's a strategy that can actually work so i like this draft from that perspective but um, I'm just not crazy about any of the guys that they picked. They're not like any of my favorite prospects. Uh, Kalen Saunders, the Kalen Saunders has quicker feet than Puna Ford, but like three inch shorter arms. The thing that's kind of uh, weird about Kalen Saunders is he a, he's a guy who can get leverage. But he reminds me, you know, those interior offensive linemen who are slightly undersized mm-hmm. and people are like, but he has a wrestling background. Uh, that's Kalen Saunders, but he's a defensive tackle, and that's not as useful. I could see him being a really good player, but he keeps moving up people's draft boards. I was Too super much. comfortable when people are like, fourth round, this good guy could be a steal. And that's now a- people are like, late second, early third. And I'm like, what? At 124, like I said, I like him. But at 84, I think that's a reach because he, when he played against top shelf competition, he was overwhelmed a little bit. And he's going to play against top shelf competition week to week. He's not going to be at Western Illinois anymore. You know what I mean? Yep. And so for me, yes, at times against the competition he played in them, are they in the MAC, Kevin? Western Illinois? Or are they uh, in the Western Illinois. Western Illinois is FCS. Yeah, great. So in the FCS, when he plays against the the Illinois, quality play, uh, yeah. yeah, of course he's really good. But when he they had to step up and play a D one school, it's not. It was not great. Um, so that's that's my opinion. Like by comparison, when Nasir Adderley played D one schools, he looked like the dude who belonged on the field. And Nasir Adderley also was much more dominant against the sub against the lower competition. Um, but okay, Trevor Sycamore, Draft Network. Oh, wait, we have to grade James. Oh, Aguirre. J- James, uh, give him a 
D plus, C minus. Uh, I'll go C minus. Uh, let's see. I really like Lindstrom. I love Saunders Lindstrom. is okay. It's a, but, Throwing to it, Jackson's fine. I give him about a C, C minus as well. Um, I like his draft better than Corey Kinnon's. Okay, we're going to speed up a lot next couple because the next couple are kind of bad anyway. All right, <laughs> draft network, Trevor Sikama. He had a picking Keen Butler in the first round, then followed up with Marquise Blair, Jachai Polite, and Savion Smith. I'm just going to say this. I, I like all these players, but not in any of these spots. Um, Butler at 21, I think there's going to be a wide receiver I like better on the board at that point. So I'd be I would be a little sad about that. That like Hollywood Brown will be there. There so, are three wide receivers I like more. Uh, Marquise Blair is a uh, is a guy who is not I think just not quite good enough to be worth pick eighty four. He also just doesn't project into our defense well. Uh, Jachai Polite is fine, but he ate his way out mm-hmm. of the out of the top of the the draft. I'll take him I, in the fourth I, round at I'm, that point. I'm very worried about that. And then Savion Smith is I don't know what he is is a total project, but actually that might be the pick that made me think, hmm, if this, if we do get Savion Smith in the draft, that could be pretty nice. So I gave this one a D. Straight D. What did you get, Kevin? F. F. You, see, I only gave one F. That was, I saved that for Mel Kuyper. All right. This next one almost got an F, though. <laughs> actually. Since I'm being harsh, am I inspiring you? It didn't get it didn't Unleash get a, the F. It didn't get an F, Kevin. I'll tell you that. Okay, Draft Tech. This is the best Draft Tech name. does a simulation. Draft Tech. They, they base it on their staff's evaluation of the team needs. So all their staff puts in the team what they think the team's needs are, and then they have a composite big board. Great. So they blamed it on a robot instead of manning right. up and admitting that they screwed okay. this up. AJ Brown's wide receiver from Ole Miss is our first pick. Then Austin cool, Bryant. Cool, a pure edge. edge of a pure, cool, a pure slot receiver. That's what we need. Austin Bryant, edge from Clemson. Uh, Jaquan Johnson, safety from Miami. And Blake Cashman, outside linebacker from Minnesota, who I like, but is t- Totally in opposition to me. Uh, 159, that's a great pick, though. Yeah. Um, I'll say this. That first-round pick, A.J. Brown, if that happens, I will go to the VMAC with a sign to protest that says Seahawks Nest is unhappy right now. Now, if we pick him at, like, 38 after we trade down. Sure, whatever. Tight. A.J. Brown's tight. He's my dude. <laughs> but but at 20, if we keep our first-round pick so we can pick him, I would be stunned. Um, I give this draft an F minus. <laughs> That's right, Kevin. There you go. That's unleashed. <laughs> I did not. I did not give it an F. I also give this an F. Okay. Um. Yeah. I. All the things you said. Okay. I don't like this one at all. I'm trying to fly through these Badly because I want to get to the fun ones. Here's the ones where they traded four trade drafts. Seahawks Ooh. wire. Andy this is Patton. my least favorite. Uh, um. This is my least favorite trades draft. He traded one pick. He did 21 to New England for 32 and 73. I like that trade. He picked Deontay Thompson, from Alabama. Boo. I, I'm fine 31, with it. 30, 32 overall? Why would we not? Yeah, we would trade down again. We could get Juan Thornhill, or we could get like three better people there. Yeah, you can trade that down. They're just safeties. You can trade down again and get Deontay Thompson. I think you could, that... You could uh, trade and, down four times and get him with the last pick that you got from that. I think in the I think you can get him towards the end of the second round. I think that's where he's going to go, and I think that's way better than 32. Uh, Jachai Polite, defensive end, Florida, Ooh, 73. That's fucking too high. Feels like too, too high. high. Sean Bunting, central... Michigan's cornerback. Interesting player. I actually like him. Yeah, Too high I, again. Same thing. I did a research on this, and I was like, yeah, that's an interesting Seahawks prospect. I'm, I am I put him. He, I definitely put him on my radar. Antoine, I like him in the fourth round. Antoine Wesley, wide receiver, Texas Tech. Sure. 117. That's a good pick. He's big. He's and tall. Jel- Jelani Tavai, linebacker from Hawaii. I really like him. Why would we pick a linebacker? I, I don't know. Depth. I wouldn't pick him at 148. Like, that's, like if we spend like a sixth or a seventh on a depth okay, linebacker, w- that's let's fine. Just, now, now let's take let's take out the, the, the picks. Trading 21 for 32 and 73. I think that's a good trade. Yes. I think that's super solid. Nice job, Andy, on that. Uh, these picks I completely disagree with. I give you a D plus. Uh, I give you a D minus. The only thing saving you from an F is the trade. Yeah, the trade is good, and that's why I give you a D plus. Um, 
Michael Edwards, fieldgoals.com. Before we go any further, this guy loves draft points. I've been watching this a lot. And he's got the, I think, some pretty unrealistic trades, but you guys can okay. be the judge of that. He he traded 21 to Green Bay for 30 and 75, which is very similar to that uh, New England trade. Uh, then he traded 30 that he got from Green Bay to Cleveland for 49, 80, and 155, which I just don't think Cleveland would trade three, no pa- three picks no, for one. No way. No, I find that unlikely. Three three picks for one is like really hard to pull off. Um, but, I mean, the value is fair. So I'm just going to We could get it. probably a similar deal, just not from that team. Here's who he picked. He picked Juan Thornhill at 49. Great. I'm into it. Joe Jackson at 75. Okay. Eh. Zach Allen at 80. Yup. I'm sold. Oh sold. my gosh. I'm so into Switch Zach Allen and Joe Jackson, dude. Like that. Zach Allen is so good. He's an edge setter. Like I really love Zach Allen. Uh, Eric McCoy, the center from Texas A&M. Uh, he also plays guard. I'm okay with that pick. Okay. Blake Cashman from Minnesota. We already talked about. Pretty good. Travis Fulgham, wide receiver, Old Dominion. I like Travis Fulgham. Another guy I had to research after looking at this. And I I agree, Kevin. Good route runner. Solid. Like, very solid. At good contested catch. He's there at 155. I'd be happy. And then Blessing Austin, cornerback Rutgers. Uh, all projectables. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I don't, I still don't know. I have no idea. Uh, this is this is just going. Pete Carroll's good at uh, coaching corners. That's what this is. Um, I like this draft. I thought this draft solid. If the Seahawks pulled off this draft, I would give it. An A minus. This is one of my four favorite drafts. I give it a B plus. I thought it was very good. I thought Michael did a good job. He picked players that I like, um, and he sprinkled. He did a thing I like where you throw two picks at one position with Allen and Jackson, although they're very different players. Yep. Jackson projects more as a pass rusher right away, and Zach Allen, Zach Allen on day one will be an awesome defensive ending in the run game. He will maybe be a good pass rusher. He He'll has be one, a guy who'll get like three to five sacks that first year, but you, a lot of productive downs. You know. Kevin and other people know, I love guys who do a thing. Zach Allen does a thing when he pass rushes. He runs you over, and he's good at it. So, okay, Zach Allen, cool. Like, I'm into it. I'm fine with it. Juan Thornhill, I think, is an excellent pick. He's an ideal free safety in our system. Yeah, Juan Thornhill at 49 would be pretty satisfying to me. Like I said, Michael did a good job on this draft. and Like I said, I think the Cleveland trade is a little optimistic. Uh, A team, teams, because young players under team control contracts are so valuable... It's going to be hard to convince someone to give three picks for one. I did it in one of my mocks, too, where I had the Clippers give us three picks, but one of them was pick 200. You know, asking for a, a second, a third, and a fifth is, is a big ask, and we'll, we'll see. Maybe it'll happen. I would be super into it if it happened. Yeah. Great, great moves. Okay. RJ White. He had us trade 21 and 124 to Kansas City for 29, 63, and 214. Oh, hey, I did that trade. Uh, yeah, that was exact trade Kevin did. Uh, uh, Baltimore, he had number 63 to Baltimore for 85 and 113, and then 159 to the Jets for 174 and 217. Sure. They ended up with Byron Murphy. Oh, this guy, by the way, RJ White, he projects all seven rounds with full trades. It's nuts. His thing is like I love that. crazy. This guy is like... Good for this guy. this guy. I don't have that much mojo. This guy's wild, dude. I, I was like, man, this guy puts in the work. He picked Anthony Nelson from Iowa, defensive end. Riley Ridley, wide receiver from Georgia, Marvin Tell the third, free safety from USC, David Edwards from Wisconsin, Tommy Sweeney from Boston College, Karen Higdon from from Michigan. Kevin, this is a lot of guys we have not talked about on the podcast. Uh, we've talked about Byron Murphy. He's a great zone corner. That's we talked, fine. And we talked a little bit about Marvin Tell and how we thought he could be a project safety that could turn out to be really good in our system. Or could end up being a corner conversion. Right. And so, he makes sense for both for our team. Yeah. And then, so what about uh, these We've talked guys? about Anthony Nelson. Anthony Nelson is my second favorite base end behind uh, Zach Allen. He's one of those, like, if I miss out on Zach Allen, I would want Anthony Nelson. Cool. Um, he'll be good against the run from day one. R- Riley Ridley. And he can power push. Riley Ridley's a great route runner he has that in common with his brother riley ridley 
when I looked at, watched him on tape and when I looked at his scouting reports, my instant thought was this guy's falling in the draft for no reason. Just like uh, he's falling in the draft for a reason, but and that is he tested way slower than Riley but, than than. But he's falling like way big, farther than I feel like he should. Yeah, he should be falling into like the late second, late second, early third, and he's falling into like late third, the, early late fourth. third, early fourth. And it's like, dude, if this guy is good at football, and I and if you have a really that, accurate quarterback, which hey, we just signed one. Plenty of very good, <laughs> plenty of very, very, very good wide receivers in the NFL ran slow 40s at the combine. It is not as important as you think. There are, I cannot hammer this Keenan Allen ran a 4-7 thing enough, but like he did. And you can, you can win with a guy who runs a slow 40. The other thing about Ridley is that he wasn't super productive, but that was a product of George's offense. Yeah. And people don't realize that. Like if you watch him on tape, wide receiver coaches are going to like this guy. David Edwards? David Edwards is a solid swing tackle. Um, he's good depth along the line. Like I, I think he's a solid pick who has starter upside. Tommy Sweeney. Tommy Sweeney's a blocking tight end. He's fine. Karen Higdon. Uh, Karen Higdon's a depth running back. He's right? Fine. Can he return kicks? No. Ugh. Nah. Get him out of here. I'd rather have uh, um, that uh, Penny, the uh, wide receiver out of uh, um, sure. Georgia State or yeah, something. Just... Some guy who offers a little more uh, roster flexibility. I gave this. Honestly, I'm going to talk about Byron Murphy for a second. I don't love Byron Murphy on the Seahawks, and I don't love Byron Murphy in general. It's like a guy, solid everything, but like I, nothing he does like really pumps me up and excites me like the way I see some of these other guys play. It's like yes, I know he'll be a solid B, but I don't know. I kind of want to hit a home run in the draft. I don't. I don't want to hit a double, and he's a double in my opinion. And that's just that's just me. I feel like this is full of doubles. Uh, Byron Murphy's going to come in and be a really solid number two corner. Uh, Anthony Nelson's going to come in and be a really solid base end. Yeah, edge at setter, least on first on and run, second down. Downs, yeah. uh, Riley Ridley's going to come in and be like a really solid. He's going to be like Jermaine Curse that actually catches the ball. Slightly upgrade David Moore, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, he's Marvell Tell is going to come in and be a bit of a project. Um, he has upside. Uh, David Edwards has upside. Uh, and then Tommy Sweeney's safe roster depth and Karen Higdon's yeah, those safe are, roster Those depth. are really late picks, six-round picks. Um, okay, I gave this draft a flat B. I thought it was good, but not great. Uh, I give it a B plus. All right, I can dig that. Uh, I think it's about the same as the last Michael Edwards draft. I like them both pretty equal. Okay, and the last one was from Reddit. Uh, so Reddit, you, Our boys. you Alexander. Yeah, I love Reddit. We spent way too much time on that website. You Collie call 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 B Flower. Collie B Flower. You, my fedora is MLG. You Colton JG ninety eight, and you seventeen sixty three military weapon. They said there was other people involved, but those were the users that they listed in the post. They did they did a draft a draft with a bunch of other Reddit users, each of them representing their own teams. Yeah, everyone was a war room for a team, so that's pretty cool. I think it like gives you an accurate, more accurate depiction of just kind of the way a draft could actually go, as opposed to the other guys who are kind of spitballing. This guy might be there. They actually had choices, so I. I will. I'm gonna comment on the choices that they made too, because I looked at the whole draft. Because um, this was this was the one I deep dove. I loved that what they did here, and I loved the thinking and stuff. So they sent um, our first and third to Philly for their first and second. Then they put Philly's first and their our fifth to Jacksonville for their second and third. And then they sent Jacksonville's third to Minnesota for their third and two six rounders. Now that's a one for three trade that might actually happen because the multiple six rounders thing. Yep. They ended up drafting a 38 Darnell Savage from Maryland. I just want to say they had they said they had a big discussion about Savage versus Adderley. I would have gone the other way on that one because Adderley was still on the board. 
And I think Adderley is is better than Darnell Savage, but I don't like begrudge this pick. I don't uh, think it's horrible. Can I follow along with that? Yeah, uh, I agree with you because I think that Darnell Savage is a box safety ideally, and we have one of those in um, in our boy. Yeah, uh, we have a box safety. We have Brad. All right, now they're next, uh, and I prefer the free safety. In their next pick. They took Paris Campbell, wide receiver, 57. I love Paris Campbell, but there are three wide receivers still on the board that I think I like more that went right after. Hollywood Brown. Okay, I'd pick Hollywood Brown first. (laughs) J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I'd pick J.J. first. And and Andy Isabella. Uh, Is that close for you? I would pick Paris Campbell over Andy Isabella. I think he's easier to project. Thing is, all four of these guys are good. These yes. are four good wide receivers, and I think picking wide receiver here at the end of the second round is a great choice. Yes, and because uh, there's some good depth. The second round's gonna be full of if, good wide if receivers. If Paris Campbell's who they decided to go with, I I can't like bash it too hard. I would take Hollywood Brown. The, I think the upside is is through the moon. And um, I would say the same thing about JJ Arcega Whiteside. Arcega Whiteside is really those good are team. like my two favorite upside receivers. Mm-hmm. But I but like I said, solid. Uh, ben Mino- they took Ben Minogu at 81. I already talked about how much I love him, and I like it. I think that picking him at 81. They fell in love a little bit too much with the uh, Seahawks have met with him. We want this to be a little bit realistic thing. Um, but there wasn't a lot of edges that I was crazy about that were left. No, like, like Zach Allen's or anything? So, no. I was looking. I was like, I was like, well, was there another edge they could have taken? But there was kind of a little run on edges right there where Max Crosby went right before them and then Christian Miller. And so I was like, eh, this is the, I think this is the probably they needed to get an edge before all of the decent projects were gone. That's fair. Um, Isaiah Johnson went at 124. That His projectables are exactly what we love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a perfect Seahawks pick. I think that that's awesome. Uh, and then they went with uh, Gary, Gary Johnson, Johnson at 190 over Ben Burkirvan. They said that they didn't want to make it seem like it was the homer draft, but I think you can, you can make it the homer draft, my dudes. I like Ben Burkirvan a little better. Uh, Gary Johnson's very projectable, but I, his instincts are nothing like Ben Burkirvan. I think Ben Burkirvan's a very instinctive player. And then they went in in the last, next, their other six-round pick, they went with Donald Parham, tight end Stetson, which I think is dope pick. Um, I actually didn't know much about him, and I thought, that's pretty... This guy could be pretty sweet. He's and, the uber blocking tight end, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's like basically a converted offensive lineman. They, um, dude, throw the fan, you cowards. Drew, they were like, we almost picked Drew Sample, but we didn't. And I was like, I think I like this guy better than Drew Sample after watching the tape. They convinced me. It was like a, they they knew. Okay, um, so okay, let's talk about this draft in general. I think this draft was good. I think they did a good job. It's not the guys I would have picked, but if the Seahawks did this draft, the grade I would give it after they're done was uh, a minus i think that i would say the same things i'm saying now i kind of like these guys better but i trust the, the scouting so if i'm grading as if the seahawks did it and i trust the seahawks scouting a minus um if it if, if from like my scouting perspective maybe it's a little worse maybe it's like a b plus but it's a good draft they did a solid job um kevin uh i really would hope at 190 and 209 it would have been like a d tackle and an offensive lineman or something instead because i think we just need depth on the lines um, I would debate. Well, they could have taken they, that wide they, receiver. They could have taken Jelks at one ninety. No. Um, and that's like seriously, there was like hardly any uh, D tackles. Terry Beckner got drafted after that. Um, I take him. Michael Dog Dogby. Um, that's basically it. Oh, John Kaminsky. Oh, I take Kaminsky for sure. 
Kaminsky went at 201. Kaminsky, I would take Charleston's Kaminsky a very interesting, a very interesting prospect. Because he's like he's a big end. He could be like one of those base guys oh, who slides into three. Kingsley tech. Kingsley Kiki went too. Uh, I take okay. him at 209. Yeah, uh, we didn't. Uh, yeah, he went. He went before 209. He went between the. He went sandwiched. He went 191. I would take him at 190. Okay, so. Um, and then I would so, want a guard if there was one available. Okay. Um, looks like no. <laughs> no guards. <laughs> the last pick in the draft, the Arizona Cardinals picked Justice the Human Jugs Machine Hanson, Kevin. How do you f- <laughs> oh, Zach Bailey went towards the very end. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Not, not so great. Yeah. But uh, I don't know who Tyrone, wasn't taken. Tyrone Prescott? I don't know who wasn't taken is the thing. Yeah, but not many people. It's a seven-round mock. Like, they they really went deep. So, okay. okay. Overall, uh, overall, I'd give it probably an A minus like you. There's some guys I would rather have than the guys they picked, but I like the players that they ended up with. Yeah, they didn't end up with like it's not like they picking between Darnell Savage and Nasir Adderley is purely like a scouting opinion. It's not like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be so broken up about it. You know, right. Like, uh, my top three safeties for fits for Seattle are Darnell Savage, Juan Thornhill, and Nasir Adderley. I still I'm have happy with any of those. Still three. have Hollywood Brown number one. I watched more tape since then, and he's. And now I feel strong more. JJ Arcega might say has moved to my number two receiver. Yeah, he was number two or three for me before, and I think he's just still there. Like he moved ahead of Butler on my list. Yeah, I like I like Butler him. has a lot of projectable upside. JJ Arcega Whiteside actually does something that's like an NFL proven yeah, skill. He, he contests he's just a ball, contested world, catch monster. World ball champ. That, but I mean that when I scout, that's all I look for. So <laughs> when I scout wide receivers, that's why I'm the little Jordan Humphrey truther. Okay. Um, if you want to support the Seattle, oh, if you want to, if you wrote one of these and you want to get contact with us, feel free to tweet us. I would uh, love to talk to you about it. Um, and if you, uh, if you have one of these mocks you feel strongly about, you know, let us know. Uh, oh, wait, Jeremy, we'll go deeper on this, but to answer your question, NFL.com. Um, I usually don't oh. watch live coverage. I usually just watch it populate yeah. on the website. Which draft do you want to watch NFL.com or ESPN? I would never watch ESPN because I hate Mel Kiper so yeah. much. He is a, the, a blowhard of the highest degree, and I find him insufferable. He What about sucks. when Todd McShay chimes in and they argue? Yeah. Eh. I, McShay is, like, not the worst. McShay's like Daniel Jeremiah, though. They're fine. Yeah, he's not. There's nothing He's knowledgeable. About. He seems like the anti-Kuiper. I don't know about that. I would say that Mayak was the anti-Kuiper, and that's why he's got an NFL job now. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah. He, it's It was... um. Don't screw it up. That's what he said to Mayock, by the way. <laughs> That's, uh, Gruden was like, I worked with that Kuiper Mike, and I don't trust him. Seriously, though, I don't blame him. I mean, he like, they worked for the same company, and guess who didn't get hired? I mean, that's true. <laughs> well, Mayock worked for NFL. That so Yeah, but Gruden worked for uh, ESPN with... Oh, yeah, with Kuiper. He, t- yeah. he hired the PR. He hired enemy. the other guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I liked Mayock. I thought he was good at his job. He okay. was solid. So let's, uh, let's, first of all, if you want to help the Seahawks Nest podcast, you can do so in many ways. But the number one way is you can head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. Uh, for as little as $1.24 a month, get access to some exclusive Seahawks Nest content. Thank you, Forrest, Chuck Attila, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Bob, Kieran, Brett, Mike, David, Keith, Arthur, Frank, Mich- Michelle. And Nick, I don't know if Keith wants me to call him Flocktimus Prime now because it says it on there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say both, 
That's how much I like Keith. Okay. <laughs> He's cool. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, though, thanks for helping us out. You can uh, five-star us on iTunes, Patreon, wherever you find it. Or iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you find this podcast. Uh, if there's somewhere you want to find this podcast and it's not there, just let me know. I will upload it. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, we are putting some draft profile stuff up on the um we? Patreon exclusive. You, you did that, Kevin. That was you. Well, it's our Patreon. Yeah, but it, you wrote those. It's my stuff. You I've been putting stuff. Okay, fine. I've been putting stuff up take on the, there. Take the credit. You deserve it. That's going to be going on Reddit pretty soon. If you would like to uh, yeah. maintain getting to see it here first, yeah. then this is your chance. So we're going to post it like three days before before the draft as a like an ad. You know, hey, here's what we thought about these guys. Um, come check out our podcast. But um, it will be exclusively on Patreon up to that point. So... Um, yeah, that's, that's that, uh, movie club this week. Um, I know some people are probably like, oh, are we going to do like Curse of La Llorona? Are we going to do some horror stuff or, oh, are they gonna... no, we went totally off reservation this week. We were like talking about movies and we just started talking about a movie that we all like that somehow did not get the credit it deserves. 51% on Rotten Tomatoes, 51% on Metacritic, 6.7 on IMDb, which 49% shows, of people are wrong, which shows the people have spoken. This movie is better than the Rotten Tomatoes and metacritic scores thought this movie, it's also like over a three on letterboxd which is good this movie hardcore henry hardcore henry is the first would you say it was the first ever first person action action movie it's the first one i know of i mean all was, the way through there certainly. was first person shots that were in movies before but this movie was first person the whole movie you are the protagonist. Shoot 'em up had a had a few first person moments, but it wasn't nearly the same. My favorite is how they explain <laughs> away the fact that you don't talk. Yeah, like, like in Lady of the Lake, they do um, like some subjective POV stuff, and like they, there's POV in movies, right? But um, this one is the one that's it's all first person video, and it makes you feel like you're in a first person shooter, right? Like yeah, which is kind of why we did. It the feels like a 3D experience intro. So okay. Um, they shot this movie entirely with GoPro Hero threes. I think this is um, kind of amazing. What what a, what is there to say about this movie? Um, it's it's actually like it's like a throwback. It's a little bit of a throwback. It's a classic action movie with like a hook and then uh, like a like a twist, a couple twists, big sci fi elements, and there's like sci fi elements. Um, it seems like something like Paul Verhoeven would have made. I'm about to say it's got some like total recallish feels. Uh huh. Yes. Totally, um, and it, I just think it's a very, very, very enjoyable film. It's subversive in ways that are pleasing. Uh, the action is very actiony. It is like darkly very funny. Mm-hmm. There are times where you'll be laughing and feel bad about it. Dude, like, Charl- <laughs> Charlton Copley, every time he pops up on screen, just steals million the, dollar moment. Steals the scene, makes every every dollar worth it. He is so good in this movie, and he's so funny as Jimmy. And Jimmy, and also other Jimmy. Yes. <laughs> and Jimmy. Yeah, he plays he plays Jimmy, but Jimmy's like a, there's a, there's more than one Jimmy. It was a nice throwback. What was though, your favorite? It's... What was your favorite Jimmy? Mine was the ghillie suit one. I was about yeah, to say mine was the uh, the Scottish ghillie suit. Uh, though the um, the hippie was very enjoyable for different reasons. Yep, the hippie was great too. Mostly because the hippie showed up right after the ghillie suit, and so it was a complete contrast. What about the cocaine addict one? Oh, that one because that scene was really good. It was yeah. completely shot inside of a whorehouse. Yeah, that one was awesome. Um, Eric, Eric, how you how do you feel about? Yeah, I was gonna say like uh, like Kevin just said the the whorehouse scene. This movie has the throwback of eighties uh, action movies that you want: the violence, the cussing, 
the needless nudity um, it somehow is more believable and respected in this movie. Uh, this movie's smarter than you think it is for being so fun. I think of like what the Wachowskis did with what was it, Jupiter Ascending? Was that the name of that movie? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was that Tom Hanks sci-fi movie that nobody saw, Cloud Atlas. Is that right? Yes. Um, I don't even know if that was the one. I just know that was a movie. These are all sci-fi movies that were taking big leaps and had all this fanfare. Uh, whatever that Morgan Freeman, Tom Cruise, Wally remake was. Um, this is a sci-fi movie that... Broken Circuit? By not taking short itself... Circuit. Short Circuit 2. Um, by not taking itself too seriously, it, it just outlasts all these other movies. And it's way more enjoyable. Actually, and it this, makes more sense. This movie, and I, I want to see what your opinion is. If I were to draw a comparison to another movie, it'd be another very recent movie that we all enjoyed that maybe didn't find the most mainstream success. Okay. Nathan, do you know what movie I'm going to refer to? No. Uh, it was the best Venom movie ever made. Oh, Upgrade. Yeah, this is kind of like Upgrade. This movie reminds me of Upgrade, where it's it there's a it's packaged in one way where it looks like it's going to be a simple straightforward like oh this was fun i like this movie it was it was and it i is threw fun. it on while i was grading it was good to watch and then it's like it's all of that and then there's like another level of depth to it that just makes it that much better it takes it from something that you enjoy to something that you remember yeah i just like the yeah i feel like the sci-fi elements are weaved in pretty cleverly and it's just it's got i don't know it's got a lot of uh, cool cool stuff in it and the action's so good that you can forgive some of the plot holes uh-huh yeah the action is super sweet in this movie like, it, it, it has a lot of really fun actions plus there's a character named slick dimitri any movie <laughs> with a character named slick dimitri i'm in the I'm best in thing about dimitri, the slick dimitri, dimitri thing dimitri. is that was the thing that put it overboard for me and the that made me feel like it was a video when he was game. chasing slick dimitri yeah. Yeah. yeah so there's there's fps there's uh i guess cutscenes as you could call it there's a final boss battle uh, there's twists. This is the ultimate video game movie, and I don't mean that in. There's uh, a motorcycle a fight with way. dominatrixes. Yeah, there's. <laughs> yeah, it is out there. It's way out there, but it's so enjoyable. This movie does a thing. Yeah, and the, and the other cool thing is, and that, the climax like, is good. Yes, it's the, such a good payoff. Yeah, the climax is really good, and then um, there's a mid credit scene, and it sets up a sequel. And I will say that Charlton Copley and the director really want to make another one of these. And the first one cost $2 million and made 17 So they, so could they definitely should. could do it, but it'd have to be guerrilla filmmaking like the first one. It could, it can't be expensive. And I'm so happy if it is. Uh, I would watch that immediately. Yeah. Well, Charlton Copley, man. He's, he's awesome. And he's going to be in the second one. I'm, I'm, I'm already back in. That guy seems like the coolest guy because he's in all the coolest movies. Yeah, he's in so <laughs> many cool movies. And or he, movies that aren't great, but he makes them remarkable. Uh, he made, like, a lot of movies way better, right? Like, he just made him being, like, Gringo. Didn't you guys watch that? Haven't watched it yet. Uh, no, not, it's on my watch list. Not great. But Charlton Copley is definitely the best part of the movie. Um, What's that one that we all liked that he was in? Uh, District 9? Yeah. Uh, uh, Elysium? He was was Murdoch in the A-Team remake? (laughs) That's right, he was. Um, The A-Team remake is underrated. It's not good, but it's not bad. But it's enjoyable. It's Uh, it's a solid 2 out of 5. Better than any A-Team episode. Honestly, I quite liked uh, District 9. But that would—that's uh, a movie that not every lead actor could make work. Oh no, he, he, he made plays that movie. Such a dork, but then like his redemption cycle, you're willing to buy into. And I mean that I movie. Really that movie also guerrilla filmmaking. Like they—they, they, 
And they, the, they, the viral marketing was good. They made that movie for, like, way less money than it probably should have. And then it's kind of just, it's weird. Peter Jackson helped get it get it over the finish line, gave him a bunch of money to, to make it. And then um, it was a big blow-up hit for... Yeah, $200 like, million. Dollars. Oscar nominated, um, I believe. I don't know. I don't it know definitely that, got but, awards love. But uh, uh, Hardcore Henry got, got awards love. It won some uh, IGN Movie Awards and MTV Movie Awards. Oh, wait, that was District 9. I lied. Um, okay, so I don't know. The Hardcore Henry, I would not recommend it to everyone. If you're a person who gets motion sickness, don't watch this. Uh, if you could not, if you got physically ill during Cloverfield. Or like any other like uh, found footage movie, this is not for you. Now, I also don't think it's quite as shaky as Cloverfield because nothing is, but it is pretty shaky. Yeah, if, uh, if, yeah. But, um, yeah, I would recommend you, if you love action movies, this is a fun one. You'll have a good time. It's a tight, like, 90 minutes. It's not long. Yes, and there's no wasted time in this. If you have really enjoyed, and, you know, we're not talking about Lone Wolf, Wolf McQuaid or anything here. If you've enjoyed the action movies that we genuinely have recommended, then we recommend this one as well. This is just a fun, modern action movie that blends in clever sci-fi elements. And uh, it's currently available to stream on a couple of services, right? Um, I thought it was on Netflix, but now I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah. it. I think it, it was on Netflix at some point. So if it's on Netflix still, you can watch it. It was like a month yeah, ago. Yeah, if it's, it's off yep. Netflix, it's probably on Hulu now. It's a sub. It's a sub, Yeah, if you sub to Netflix, you can watch it. I All just right. looked. So yep, there you go. Go on Netflix, watch Harker Henry. Tell us we're stupid for liking it. For Kevin and Garber, we'll say we don't care. For Kevin, I know I'm stupid. For Kevin Garber, for Chronomic, <laughs> I'm Nathan Sano. We'll see you next week. Go Hawks. We did it. Good time, bro.